This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. I want to remind you that this coming Monday, you'll be able to see us when we do this podcast. It'll be 825 and it'll be live on the Test Drive Videos channel. That is Monday, August 21st, 2023, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We are live streaming over on our Test Drive channel. We have switched over there the past few live streams now, mm -hmm. about four or five of yep. them. Uh, Last few, good yeah. number now. And we will be taking all of your car questions. So if you didn't get a chance to post up, then bring the live mm -hmm. car questions. We're very great. excited uh, to, uh, to do another live stream. Monterey Car Week 2023 reveals are happening. We're going to cover a little bit here, but we're looking forward to, since as of this recording, not all of them have happened yet. Yep. It, they're, they're going Very to be, exciting. We're going to be besieged with them all weekend. We're all going to see them just like you will. So we'll talk about them on Monday for sure. Acura's first full SUV EV. Mm -hmm. Every company gets to say that. You know that? So every company gets to say, this is our first EV. Our You're SUV, making a great point. Size. Every single one of these marketing departments, every single one of these companies is ecstatic because they're getting to talk about <laughs> exactly. a first ever something. Don't worry. Your announcement is coming at some point too. So don't worry. You won't be left out. Yeah, but seriously. they have introduced the ZDX and the ZDX Type S. You thought the ZDX was dead. The one you couldn't fit people in before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now because it's built on GM's Ultium platform, it's like the size of the Blazer or the Lyric. It looks like a lot like a Lyric. It Yay. doesn't look interesting like the ZDX <laughs> did. It does it looks a Lyric. Like a Lyric. I mean, the Lyric, here's the thing. I like the Lyric, but yes, it's this great, is actually. just the same idea from Acura. Okay, we'll see. Well, well see. it'll be that flavor. And mm -hmm. the pilot is based on GM's technology too, because in grand scheme, Honda is a small car company compared sure, to Toyota sure. or Volkswagen or GM or even yeah. Ford. They're tiny, but they're a big car company. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair. Okay. So they are estimating for the Type S flavor an estimated 500 horsepower, and they're saying somewhere in the range of 325 miles. But we'll of course, see, that yeah. depends on how you drive and if it's the single motor configuration only. The dual spec motor gets an anticipated 315 mile. So there's an asterisk and a plus sign behind that number. Yeah. Because there's just, lots of things in the little depends. tiny oh, print at the bottom. Yeah. What's the temperature outside? Mm -hmm. How heavy is your right foot? Yes. How many people do you have in the vehicle? Uh-huh. Are you going up hills? Yes, all of the above There's, is a matter. Yeah. It's not just 325 miles range uh, all the time and every bit of weather you can possibly think of. I'm liking that they are doing this. It was actually the California Design Studio and it's actually really good looking. Just a quick tease about this mid-engine Mustang, the Ford Mustang GTD. Mm -hmm. Does that mean it's based on the class it's supposed to race in or is it irrespective of that <sighs> race class or and is it front mid-engine? Is that how they're getting away with the technically mid-engine term? Seems like it based on the, the, the leaked photos so far. It seems like that's what we're talking about. But again, this is Ford just finished saying that the Dark Horse is the biggest, baddest Mustang ever and then it was like, <laughs> surprise! surprise so, yeah. Except for this one. Yeah, so it'll be Wait. really interesting to see what that actual reveal is by the time you're hearing this podcast, we, they, it may have been revealed again. We will talk about it soon. But that is quite a tease. Their tease has been yeah. just a date and a shock absorber. So <laughs> the, the leaks that have Infinity happened so door far. door handles are the and water running over some stones and, back in the and 90s. Couldn't, nobody knew they were selling cars. At least we know Ford's selling cars. At least that much. At least we think It they wasn't are. just a puddle with a, with a lily pad in it. It's actually part of a car. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. 
Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. The debate today has everything to do with the social media posting. Mm. Every time we get in the GR Supra, Todd and I are amazed and we're just laughing to ourselves how good this car is to it's drive. It's very good. It's yeah, it's really fun. Fantastic to drive. Lots of fun. And then Brandon J. in Maryland writes to us asking us to help convince him not to buy another Supra. <laughs> Which is an interesting sentence, but okay. He said he's been following the channel for a long time and we have, uh, how did he put it uh, nicely? We have uh, aided him with well-intended and educated yet enabling advice to buy his last We're few enablers. cars. We are enablers. You heard it on the up, up front of the podcast. Yeah. So he said he currently owns a three liter, this his word now, Zupra, a black Zupra. So he bought the latest Supra in 2020. So it was a brand new one, first year, three liter premium. But that also means, of course, for those of you following along at home, it is an auto. In fact, it's his first auto. Well, he had narrowed his choices down to that, an M2 or a three or four-year-old Cayman S and a Mustang GT350. And he says the list was considerably longer, but at that time, COVID made test driving many vehicles impossibility. Plus, his minister of reason and accountability was threatening to go postal. That is a new one, Brandon. They do that. They do start to threaten when it's just like, can we please talk about anything else? Please buy a card. Shut up. So she yeah. holds many different government interior yes, minister does. jobs. Mm -hmm. And this is the new one. So eventually, Brandon found a dealership local to him in Maryland who had three Supras, all of which were nine grand under MSRP. Wow. Keep in mind, this was 2020 uh -huh. before the craziness of 2021 hit. When nobody could sell cars exactly. and the Supras were brand new. Yeah. All the prices skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. So after the test drive, he was in love, especially with the automatic transmission. Mm, that's really interesting. I love it. Okay. He says it was very new to him, having owned all manual transmission vehicles prior, and he drove home in it that night. And at this point, after three years, 20,000 miles, two track days, and endless back road joy. I love it. The siren call of the manual transmission is starting to deafen him. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you think you want a manual, but if you don't get one, you might go insane. That's really how I read that. That's pretty crazy. All right, all right. This is like an audiobook. It is, <laughs> got to read sure. it with cadence. Yes, here. absolutely, yeah. His current super is almost paid off, and he has a dealership willing to slot him in for a 23 or 24 Stratosphere Blue Supra at... MSRP. This is that's a key sentence right there. He already has the hookup for the car he wants. But of course, we're talking about a Stratosphere Blue Super MSRP with a manual. We should also clarify that. With the manual. So staying with the Super, winding up with the manual. Yeah, okay. Brandon says he's never owned a car with a personality that fits his so perfectly. Mm. So it's tough to switch. It can be tame and then get shockingly good gas mileage when necessary, but thrilling at a high level when the mood strikes. Brandon is six foot three inches tall. He has no problem fitting or being mm. comfortable for long drives. That's great. Todd and I feel the same. I mean, yeah, the interior it's, it's is definitely good. smaller. Once you're in, 
It's fine. There's a lot of <laughs> it's Lotus thinking. There's a lot of head Once hitting you're on in, doors. Yes, we're good. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything up until that point, you're going to have skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, Brandon writes, the Supra has been flawlessly reliable, hmm. and other than relatively expensive maintenance costs, has given him no pause with owning another. I would just like okay. everyone listening to hear that because of the well, it's a BMW engine, it's a BMW mm-hmm. underneath, and it's just going to break instantly. Well, it's my understanding it is a BMW block mm-hmm. with Toyota internals. Well, but either way, you're also talking about let, let's let's be be truthful here, and that is three years and twenty thousand miles. It shouldn't have cost you anything. It right. should be shockingly reliable. Well, he's kind at this of beat point. on it too. And you and I, that's the thing you've driven it as intended, which we appreciate. But I would hope that it would not give you a single thought. And I would love to actually know what your relatively expensive maintenance cost were. I'm guessing tires and brakes, tires and brakes, tires and brakes. Oh, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. Brandon says that he can't find anything that scratches the itch as well as the Supra within Mm. his budget. Okay, all right. And the dealers in this market being the death squads of fun, he writes. (laughs) Yes, they are. You can hear the marching. Here they come. Yep. It's tightened up his potential list quite a lot. Besides Emmanuel Supra, he's considered the following Mm. with the included reasons to not buy each one. He wants to talk us out of talking him into the following (laughs) cars. Yeah. First on the list is the Lotus Evora. He says the GT is stubbornly stuck outside his budget with super high maintenance costs. He writes it's a $15,000 clutch replacement. Can we verify that? 15 grand Uh, clutch replacement? That's the thing. The early ones have expensive clutch replacements. The cheapest I've seen people discuss it is five to seven grand, and the most expensive I've seen is 10 to 15. Okay, which is not nothing. That is, is not nothing. That is a consideration. And this is a reason that people are concerned about the older ones. And again, I have seen plenty of people talk about it being, you know, in the five to seven grand range, which is expensive, but not completely prohibitive. 15 yeah. grand is a whole other car to get your clutch done. Yeah. He writes the Porsche Cayman. He will not buy the four-cylinder model because the car should have the flat six, he says. Okay. And the current flat six models are above his means. And he writes to me, mm. he's not sure that he wants to be a Porsche guy. Okay. Totally understand. That's totally fair. Fair argument. He also <laughs> We think you should be anyway. No, sorry, what? <laughs> I want to suggest one anyway, but just a, a the tiniest of disclaimers there. Have you driven any flat six Cayman? Have you have you spent mm. time? Have you mm. driven it? If you have and you say no, fine. I would just encourage a drive. Anyway, moving on to the Ford Mustang GT350R. Brandon loves everything about this car. Except it's the world's worst sports car interior. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Well, that that's clear enough. Got it. Okay. Uh-huh. And then his wild card is old. His whole life, he's lusted after Skylines and NSXs of the 90s mm. or the Honda S2000, which mm. he has driven and loves. Problem is, every other person of his generation also wants to buy those cars. Which means the prices are higher than they should be. Yeah. Although, Brandon, you've got a great budget. It is a Paul pre-adjusted budget of $65,000. <laughs> the Paul pre-adjusted. Hmm. I already know Paul's listening. And as a result, this. I feel like you're looking out for me, but I also feel weirdly insulted. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Both at the same time. I like I it in equal parts. It's the backhand compliment. Mm-hmm. He will not pay significant ADM because he's bought every car he's ever owned under MSRP. Every vehicle. Wow. Under okay. MSRP. All right, all right, all right. Brandon and his wife have an all-wheel drive 2019 Mazda 3 hatch and a 2023 Toyota Tacoma, and he said they paid two grand under sticker last month for that brand new Tacoma. Mm. Good for you. That's very good. That's You've impressive, got actually. Some yeah. sort of magic is your, well. I also think it's because amazing. the Tacoma is about to be replaced, and I think a lot of people that are shopping for Tacomas are waiting a year. 
Yeah. So you're probably, you probably yeah. helped yourself there. I'm wondering also about the people, and maybe Brandon's one of them, who are like, well, I don't want a turbo Tacoma, so I'm buying one now. I don't know where the, the line is there. Yeah, you get both Driving categories. the prices back up. I guess, yeah. Brandon needs to fit items in the trunk, drive somewhat crappy weather. It will not see snow or ice because they've okay. got the Mazda 3 hatch and the Tacoma. Manual isn't necessary, he writes, but the thought of rowing his own gears is mm. once again appealing. Mm. He's not sure how many will be available in the future. Okay. He is well aware of the logic behind driving a slow car fast, but he has grown accustomed to the thrill of the power of the Supra. So not too slow. Nothing too slow. Please. I feel like that's a, like he's saying, please don't recommend the GR86. Please don't recommend the G I feel like that's what he's saying there without saying <laughs> it's it. It's like reading between mm -hmm, the lines. Mm -hmm. Please don't suggest that car. He says this car will be used for backroad enjoyment, weekend trips, cars and coffee, the occasional road trip, and maybe a track day or two. He has also had his fill of the four-cylinder hot hatches. Okay. They can be great cars, he writes, but he just doesn't want to go down that path again. And then he includes, right after that, his list of cars that he's owned. Wow. It's a good, good list, yeah. Oh, you had a Focus RS. Yeah. Well, la-dee-da. Well, and he started with the Honda CRX, which is one of those inexplicably fun little boxes from the 90s from Honda. Yeah. Just lightweight, yeah. super fun. He had a Supra in 95, a 95 Supra. So, I mean, oh, there's other stuff on here as well. It's good stuff. Supra history. Yeah. yeah. 95 Celica. Oh, with the ST205, 3 SGTEs engine swap. And a Mazda Speed 3. He went his his last two before the current Supra and Mazda 3 were a Mazda Speed 3 and a Focus okay. RS. There's some, you're right. Brandon, you have done hot hatches well. You've put your time in. Mm -hmm. I see that. And then going after the list of, first of all, manual equipped cars. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want the Porsche. You don't want to be a Porsche guy, so those are out. You don't want any four-cylinder hot hatches or really any four-cylinder sedans. So okay. Civic Type R's, Elantra N's, Veloster's. Sure. They're all, all those out. are yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. Which led me to one car, even though I have three choices for you. <laughs> okay, good. Good. There's only one to choose from that's kind of a next step that is kind of within your budget. Okay. It is the 2011 BMW 1M. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's backwards, but it's forwards. Yeah. You got to go backwards. It's not as much power as your current Supra, but you do get all the care. benefits of what makes those cars so good, what makes that era, that generation, mm -hmm. hydraulic steering, twin turbo punch, and manual transmission, and uniqueness. I hadn't gone there, but that's really good. A 1M. I the really like that. Yeah. cheapest ones are 65 grand. That's the problem, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you did say, it's not like we've started with 30 or 40. We're sure. starting with 65, which yeah. makes me think 70 yeah. is possible, which <laughs> means... I know it was pre-pol-adjusted, pre but it doesn't matter. It's happening anyway. It's, Brace yourself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just saying, mm -hmm. you're going to have to look for the right car at the right price, but that is the long term. Never get rid of it. Mm. You can track mm. it. It's very unique. You will not see another one. And you said you want to do cars and coffee. Whenever somebody shows up with a 1M, everybody's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Those are sweet. Yes. And all the GT3s then get ignored. <laughs> <laughs> because there's six of them, at least in our area. There's six of them for some unknown reason. Yeah. And everybody comes over mm -hmm. and looks at your cool 1M and it's really great to drive. And it, it can do the road trip thing. You can do the track thing. It's one of those very, very rare cars that mm -hmm. can do that mm -hmm. kind of thing that you're looking for. But again, it's not modern. <laughs> Yeah. It's not. Yeah. But maybe you would like that old generation, that old school kind of thing, because you want a skyline, so it seems like you're open to the yeah. older thing. The first generation M2 is on my list. Okay. The competition, okay. Yeah. whether it's just yeah. an M2, you could pay less for that and then get something 
super hardcore. I don't know. And then I hate to say this. I loathe that I'm going to suggest a new BMW M2 to you, Brandon. You are. But they're so engaging and fun to drive. They're too heavy. They're too mm-hmm. ugly. Mm. They're too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. They're too much money. It's I, I, too much. I'm agreeing with you on all, all these of points. That, it's yes. just too much. Mm-hmm. But it's this weird thing like... Yeah, I still kind of had fun. <laughs> They're still I very still fun. I really had a lot of fun yeah. driving that car. Yeah. And it is modern. It gives you a warranty and it's modern everything. And just having the brand new car might be more appealing. Mm. I want you to go back to, you know, the old, I want a 1M for you. That That's like the. I do like that. That's ah, very good. That's the that's sweet spot. But if you got an M2, despite all the negativity that we've said about that car, there's still something that's really fun to drive about it. It's genuinely fun to drive. Watch our comparison piece with the Camaro and the Amira. It's a genuinely fun to drive car. It's not the car I would pick, but I cannot deny. If anybody said to me, I bought an M2, my question, next question would be, I hope you're driving it hard because it's great when you drive it hard. It really is. Yeah. And those seats are freaking amazing. They are wildly expensive, but very good. You have to get the seats, the carbon package, Mm -hmm. because they come part of the carbon package. They're 24 pounds lighter than the other seats. They're sweet. It's just, you love to hate it. You hate that you love it. Mm. I loathe that I'm suggesting one. And I love that I am. <laughs> because it's not for me, it's for you. That's funny. I really like that. That's very I good. I have your best intentions in mind, Brandon. I do. And it's just outside of your budget at just a touch more than a 1M. Just a little bit. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one, maybe good 1Ms are, more, are a bit more. Be, be careful, Brandon. You're in the Paul zone now. So, uh, yeah, be careful. But then again... If you were to tell me, nope, I'm going to take that manual Supra and be happy, that also is the car. And I would applaud that mm-hmm. for the rest of time, Brandon. That's interesting. I'm going to segue right off of that. That's perfect because that's kind of where I want to start, Brandon. And that is, look, the, the Supra you bought has been improved since then. You bought the early one. That's true. Okay. That's true. Toyota has, is, is giving you BMW more power. sandbagging even more. Toyota's giving you more power and revised suspension that has made that car easier and more fun to drive, especially yes. at the limits, okay? Yes. And now, guess what? Cha-ching, they offer the manual. So, yes, you are, you're upgrading your car for the same car, but it is a genuine upgrade. I, I do believe, also, you're going from black to blue. I like that you're going to a color. I, I think if you decide to go super brand, and especially getting one at MSRP, I... Will's just sit here and applaud. I think mm-hmm. that is a fantastic choice, and I can't take anything away from you on that. I want to speak to the other choices you brought up, and I want to talk about a couple wild cards. But I, I do have to start with just saying, there's no reason to talk you out of a Supra. No, if that's what you want, you, <laughs> we are unable to convince you. To here, not. Here's here's the key thing I want you to see: you're not just buying a three year newer version of your exact same car. It's been revised, and they've added a transmission you prefer. That is a significant reason for change. So I, I want to defend yeah, you there. Yeah. But let's talk about your other choices. Uh, you said GT350, amazing. It, look, it has an amazing engine, great personality. I really, really <laughs> like that. You said it's the worst sports car interior ever. I, I think that is a death blow for you on that car. If yeah. you are already that turned off of that interior, I think owning it is not going to help you, okay? Because I was surprised at some of the weird rattles we had on our first one. We first one we drove with a base when it had some weird rattles. I... You don't buy that car for the interior, you buy it for the crazy engine. Now, there are people that have had issues with that crazy engine, but it is probably the most personality-filled Mustang I have driven to date, and it is very, very good. 
But I, hmm, I, I wonder if you would always second guess yourself on that with that car, which is kind of why I'm shying you away from it. Sure. Uh, you said sure. Cayman, but you're not sure if you could do a four-cylinder Cayman and you've got all these other questions, which made me go, wait a minute, hang on a second. For how you're using the Supra, I'm going to step you up out of Cayman into 997-911. Get your hydraulic steering yes. back. Yes. And go with the six-speed manual on a 997-911, which I think is the best version as far as size is concerned. You have the great flat six. It's before anything goes turbo in the Porsche lineup, except for the actual turbo branded one with the label on the back. That one was turbo. The rest of them weren't. It's before they did that craziness. <laughs> is so I think turbo just a marketing term? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening. Dang it. So I think I think if you if you really want to consider Porsche, you should go 911. I think that's interesting. Plus the 997s also I think are are just old enough that you are you don't look like you just bought the latest and greatest 911 and you didn't go I'm going to hunt for a classic which is when the prices get stupid. It's it's in that nice nice valley there in the middle. And then you said you'd really love an Avora GT, but they're too expensive and the old ones scare you. Brandon, the old ones are the 09, 2010, 2011s, maybe 2012s. They refreshed that car a couple times between when it came out and the GT. And specifically, the Avora 400 came out in 2017 on the backs of a lot of changes. I think you should look for a not GT, Lotus Evora. So you aren't getting the very early ones, I realize, because my understanding is once they revised it, and I'm going to get my dates wrong, but it's like 2015, 2017 when they did a big revision, and that's also when they introduced the 400. I'm pretty sure that the clutch issues people have with the early ones are now solved. With the 400, the 410, the 430? Yes. And so you're not saying S, not not Evora Well, but here's the thing. You could get, I'm saying Past you could still that. get an S from that same era, though, because the yeah. revisions apply. The 400 okay. was available in around 2017. The S is still really fun. The S is excellent. Yeah. And those are in your budget. So don't get a very early Evora. I understand your clutch concerns, but once you get 15, 16, 17 and newer, I think I think 17's the break if I'm not mistaken, then you've got the revisions that they've done that made that car even more usable and good. And I would say get one of those all day long, but I understand the GTs hmm. are still like a hundred grand right now. The GTs are hanging on like crazy. They're worth money. And I think it's because they are so good, not were, are so good. And people are having trouble getting the Amira. The Amira line. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. But all of this leads me to a wild card. Because that GT350 is fascinating to me that it's on your list. What's not on your list that should be Brandon? You're driving a Super right now. You want manual. You like power. You like performance. You'd like a little bit of usability. Why are you not shopping Corvette C7s? Oh, Corvette C7. It's all of the above. Front engine, rear drive, great power, good manual transmission, lots of storage space, decent interior. Uh-huh. On the condition that you don't put out a sign, a placard at your Cars and Coffee detailing all the documented history and VIN and all the things that Corvettes do in the history of Corvettes and don't this, put out the This plaque. C7 was the only red one sold in the state of Florida in the month of February in the year of 2021. I mean, whatever you do on your placard to try to make it seem like it's unique and it's not. Also, you got the guy to airbrush yes. you oh. standing with a sword with a woman hanging on your leg on the dragon carcass that you killed on top of your engine. <laughs> don't do this stuff. Don't do this. I don't want to see an American flag with a soaring eagle on the underside of your engine cover. These are all the no-nos of Corvette life. The no-nos. They're, they're great cars. It's so easy to fall they're into that trap cars. too. You just yes. think, I need a mural. I, I know a guy who could airbrush. Who can do a mural on, uh-huh. on the hood of my Corvette. Uh-huh. It's a temptation, but as long as you don't, then you have 
my permission to consider the Corvette. That's an interesting, uh, interesting choice. All right. Well, Brandon, good news. You don't have to become a Porsche guy. You've mm-hmm. got other choices. You do. Please let us know what you decide upon, what cars you drive. And if you've got a debate like Brandon's, write to us, TV at gmail.com for your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. We always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes. An upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. From the track to the trail, even your morning commute, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter your vehicle and driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy. Our second debate is from Dale in southwest Florida, who writes to us with the subject line, Deep and Heavy, the Mm -hmm. last Ice debate. The last yeah, these one. Make, these make me sigh. There is an undercurrent right now in, in just car culture that we're all talking about the last of the breed. Lotus is saying it about the Amira. Dodge sells cars predicated yes. on this very thing. Dodge's last year of their big Hemis. It's happening mm-hmm. and everybody's talking about, well, we're all going to be EV in five years. We're not. And as a result, none of these cars <laughs> will exist anymore. I think we need to stop panicking. It's Buy cars that you want. <laughs> And there's been a lot of stuff kind of bubbling in the news right now where people are are waking up to the thing that you and I have talked about forever, and that is these 2030 or 2035 declarations by politicians are nice and all and make for interesting, like, I put my stake in the ground as a politician, but the realities of that are starting to come home to people, like, logically, and they're going... We're not going to make that, are we? And I don't think we're campaign. going to. It does make for a great campaign. So I, I, I say at this point, buy a car you want. Don't worry about what's happening to it in the next 10 years or if you can get another. Just get a good car. Absolutely. And the other part of this is mechanics because we're all going to want these cars to stick around. Mm. The GR Super Manuals. By the way, you could buy Brandon's. He's got a 2023 That's a fair point. Yeah. Dale, you You're could right. buy that. And I'm sure he'd give you a good deal on it because he's getting it. Well, something. something. Maybe the manual, but maybe Brandon's something getting else. something. We know this much, yes. And he's going to want to sell his black one, so mm. you could get that. It's, it's an automatic, bad. but it's, it's a great bad. car, and he loves it, so it's something to consider. I like it. But mechanics are going to want to keep these around. All of us enthusiasts mm. are going to want to keep these cars around. Mm. Shoot, people still campaign 20-year-old 3-series BMWs. Yes, you're right. E46 M3s are still campaigned as race cars and kept up in engine swaps, and yeah. money is poured into these things to keep them going and keep them driving and racing. And Have you thought about how old every first-gen Miata is now? More than 30 Every first-gen Miata is more than 25 years old. The, every the, single the, one of them. The first ones are like 30 years old. The, yeah, the very early years are, yes, for sure. Yikes. And when's the last time you saw somebody in a first-gen Miata and your first thought was, oh, it's a classic car? <laughs> It didn't, hey, even cross nice your, it didn't even cross your mind. British Roadster. You just thought, oh, cool little Miata. That, that guy probably drives into oblivion. Yeah. How many classic cars, literally, how many classic cars you look at and think, that's got to be fragile. And, the, and you ooh. never think that about an NA Miata. You're just like, oh, I'd drive that into oblivion. And the communities around all these cars are continuing to build and form, like the GR Corolla community. Yeah. That, yeah. That's just in its infancy. Yeah. 
the community to race and campaign Supras. That's just beginning. Interesting point. All Porsche right, yeah. has always okay. had that, but that's going nowhere. Miatas are going nowhere. That's a big established one. GR86s, that's a huge community mm-hmm. now too. So we want these great to drive cars to stick around and they will. Cars Certainly that are 20 or 30 years old. Yes. Think about that, Dale. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we keep going on. But Dale says with the impending doom... That is everything being electrified. He's looking for a fun ice car that will allow him to continue enjoying driving to the future. I think you will. Electrified is the key word here. Sure, we yes. Are, we are creating yes. an equal sign in our minds. Certainly in, in kind of non-car media, there's an equal sign between electrified means a full EV. No, it does not. Correct. Electrified can mean... I mean Mercedes' entire lineup now is electrified. If you thought about it, they all have that 48-volt mm-hmm. EQ thing assist. That's going on. Which is on, fantastic. Which is great. I mean, there's a lot of these PHEVs or the 48-volt uh, hybrid starter motor things that actually are making current elect- internal combustion engine cars better than they would be otherwise. And you can call that car electrified, but you wouldn't drive it and think, I'm driving an electric car. Mm-hmm. So there's there, there's a lot of gray area there. And I, and, and I love how every manufacturer is throwing around electrified. And the politicians that are screaming 2030, 2035 are going, see, they're all EVs. And we're going, not, re- not, not really. Not, okay, you know what, forget it. <laughs> Speaking of which, I've got McLaren on the brain. I've got Artura on the brain. Yeah, you. I'm you, becoming a big McLaren fan. I mean, I was kind of, but now it's like. I'm worried about your house going up at the bar. I'm going to pull up for the podcast and be like, what's for sales side door to the yard? What if well, I sold and moved to a cheaper house and I could get to move Artura. to a tiny house? Yeah. And you're going to have an Artura out front. Anyway, Dale. Back to Dale. Back to Dale. <laughs> Dale's brief car background includes a Chevy Cobalt, an NB Miata manual. He had a 10th gen Civic Sport hatch, an FK8 Type R, Civic Type R, and now back to a Civic Sport to get away from that high payment, but he wishes he would have held on to the Type R. Mm. He's looking backwards at it. His mind has been to either go to a GR86 or a slightly used Julia. Mm. His issue, he's not sure if he would miss rowing his own gears. Well, like Brandon in our yep. prior debate, yeah, for Brandon sure. misses yeah, yeah. the rowing. You miss the rowing. <laughs> Missing rowing. Everybody misses uh-huh. the rowing. He, he says... Would those awesome, huge paddle, the moose antler shifters give him the fulfillment? Only you could determine that. Mm. They're good. And would he miss power if he went with the GR86? He said both cars are gorgeous to him. No kids, but his girlfriend has a CX-5, so they have no need to worry about practicality. It's not even on. It's not like he needs four doors. Caution to the wind. Yeah, for sure. He said he's hoping to stay under $40,000. If there's any of the cars he needs to think about, let him know what they are. Here's the thing, Dale. You're driving a Civic Sport. You're not driving some super high power thing right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're I, about to. If you're buying an Alpha Julia, you're not buying the Quadrifolio. Right. right. So what you're debating here is between a sedan, which is one of my very favorite sedans, a sedan with an automatic and decent power, or a rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, purpose-built sports car, which will also feel faster than your, than your uh, Civic right now. I think this is, of those two, as much as I like the Julia, because the handling's great, it is still a large four-door sedan compared to the GR86, and I think you would love the GR86, and I think coming out of a Civic Sport, you would never think, this is underpowered. If you were coming out of a, of a Type R, I might be like, mm. yeah, I don't know, but the Civic Sport, GR86 is going to feel fast. True. Uh, Brandon, will you sell your Supra to Dale in Southwest Florida? That could work. You're both on the East Coast. Uh, how about a BMW 2 Series with a manual? Somewhere in there, not the uh, the um, 
current generation because it's <laughs> it's it's many uh, things <laughs> what's your wording i'm curious it's less satisfying nice nicely done yes <laughs> not as engaging not as not as pleasing let's let's go with less that too yes pleasing mm. bmw z4 of any year that interests you for 40k because that could that's mean good that's slightly very good. newer yep, yep. I, sh- I don't think you can get a new new z4 for that but still, there's a lot of Z4s out there with a variety of engine configurations mm-hmm. and manual transmissions, and they look great. I actually like the one just prior to the current Z4. I do too. I think that's Gorgeous. a forgotten generation of yes. the Z4. That's, that, and that's actually a Beautiful. hardtop convertible, which is pretty cool. Let's see. Mini Cooper, John Cooper Works. Those mm. are 44K, mm. but what if you found a slightly used one? That's we, a very fun car. We cackled yeah. when we drove yeah. that thing. Yeah, it's front-wheel drive. But Todd coined it as the best BMW car that they build. It's it yes. As far that is the entry level BMW we're all hoping for. The fun of that car is entry level BMW. For sure it is. <laughs> Trying to break away from BMWs, I will suggest a Veloster N or an Elantra N because mm. the Elantra N, you've had the Civic Type R. This is the cheaper CTR alternative. Yeah, that's good. I do like that. Okay. That's very good. With yep. manual. Or a Honda S two thousand. Why don't you save your money, get a $20,000 S2000, which will be a pretty nice one. Yeah, yeah. 25 maybe? Yeah. And that will be your long-term, It'll there's a community around Honda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And wow, what a car. That car will never go out of style, whether it be That's a beautiful good point. style That's a good point. driving style. Yeah. That car will never go out of fashion. Mm. Everybody will still want that. Even when you're ready to sell and there's something else you want to upgrade to, which will still be a nice car. Yeah, you will be able to get your money back out of it. You're right. Those have, I feel like those have flatlined. I what the S two thousand costs is what the S two thousand costs. It's, it's not just, unless somebody has really trashed one. If they're in decent driving shape, they just cost around fifteen to twenty, twenty five for a great one. That's a great point. Yeah. I just I also I am prognosticating about what Honda will do for sports car enthusiasts in the future, and I mm. hope mm. it isn't just a Civic Type R. The NSX, in my mind, is just mm. kind of not really a thing. Well, the closest to, I think what we all wanted the second-gen NSX to be is what the Amira is. That's great, actually, yes. But what about an aspirational, attainable, fun, lightweight sports car? Mm-hmm. What if Honda were to come back with something like that that is electrified? Mm. Well, it's not an EV, but maybe it's a hybrid of some sure, sort, and it's got sure. a really great turbo motor with a torque-fill electric mm, motor mm-hmm, on there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and now what'll that do to Honda S2000 prices? Because interesting. Oh, that interesting. could be really interesting. I am totally speculating, Dale. First S2000 I ever saw, I think it was 99 or so, when they, right when they came out. First one I ever saw was owned by a young cinematographer in Hollywood. And he was so proud of this car. I mean, we all crowded around. It wasn't, it wasn't car people. I was at a party. I didn't know this person at all. And he pulled in with this and his girlfriend. And they knew people at the party. We just happened to be at the same party. I remember there was a cluster of us that all just clustered around Descended the car. Descended on the car. And one of the things I remember us all noticing, of course it was silver, that was the only downside, but one of the things I remember us all noticing was we were like, oh, cool. That has a start button. That has a start button. And now we're like, we're getting in cars going, can I have a key? Can, <laughs> exactly. I, just, can I just use a key, please? Oh, so over start anyway, buttons. Anyway, yeah. 
Back then, it was like this thing. It was, yeah, it was from it was a spaceship. Merely considerations, but all of those are worth your time to drive and consider. I do love the GR86 for you. I think you would have a blast in that car. Yes. And buy one. Forget what the internet says. Just go buy one, mm, and they're mm. awesome. You would probably still, well, you said new. Absolutely. You yeah, you could. For yeah. that. Go get yourself one of those. They're so good to drive. As always, you guys are great with audience questions. I want to remind you, we podcast twice a week. So we ask for audience questions on Mondays for a Tuesday podcast and Thursdays for our Friday podcast. That's on all the social media platforms. We love getting your questions there. If you have a car debate, that's where Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is your friend, or you can use the contact button on our website. All that goes to the same place. We take the longer stuff, the topic Tuesdays, and your car debates there, but not on social media. The exception to everything I just told you is coming on Monday. <laughs> when we take all your questions exactly. live, when we exactly. actually do a live uh, stream podcast to uh, YouTube, we're going to start with uh, a question that actually came over email. David was asking us, how do you decide for cars and coffee? You drive up to cars and coffee and you go, hmm, there's the parking lot of people showing their cars and there's the parking lot of just people's cars that are not part of what people are walking. Just, just mm-hmm. everybody else parks over here. How do you decide where you go? If you're, if, you're, if you're on the edge, how do you decide if you're in the Cars and Coffee or at the Cars and Coffee? Yeah. I like this. David, I like to find the empty part of the parking lot okay. that is neither mm. and try to attract, try to see if you can pull people over. Because, of course, it depends on what you're driving. Sure. If it's just a car that really doesn't belong at the show and it's not you know some kind of interesting enthusiast car, sure, just park and walk over and enjoy your Cars and Coffee. But if it is something kind of like all right, it's it's my special thing and it's a decent, fun sports car. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to cost a lot, even if it's a GR86. What if you just park that standalone by itself and see who you pull over? Mm. Because people love to go to the cars and coffee and then they think, okay, who's parked well away? Even if you were in some, like, say you were in a Pagani. Sure. I would sure. park that Pagani as far away from the cars and coffee crowd as I can get to try to pull people over because people would spot across the parking lot and go running. That's so very funny. I would so love to do you. that. I love it. But let's do that at the lowest level. GR86. That's funny. And you, people are like, okay, I think I've seen everything here. Wait, what's that over there? Well, we got to go check that out. That's funny. I hadn't thought of that approach. But this is actually a very timely question because right now, as you're listening to this podcast, the Monterey uh, Monster Car Week is going on. And one of the things that always amazes us and many other people when you go is sometimes the best car show is not the thing you came to see. It's just the parking lot. It's the parking lot. Everybody's parked all over the place with stuff. And you also sit in the world's best traffic jams during Monterey Week. I mean, traffic jams suck. They're terrible. But you're sitting behind a Ferrari F40 and a guy just pulled up in a Koenigsegg. And you're like, we're all sitting here just idling. And they're going to attend the show yes. with the cool cars that are inside and, that and show. And they're going to park in the yeah. parking lot and you're going to walk by them and be like, why do I even spend the hundreds, thousands to go into this thing? I could just walk around here. So this is yes. very timely, David. I'm, I'm going to say there's a couple categories that I would say to use to decide which place you need to be. Are you a car that is genuinely interesting to people to drive that they would like to see because mm-hmm. it's interesting to drive? Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to be in the cars and coffee parking lot. Or are you a car that people just don't see ever? Okay. It's just yeah, unique. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a fun to drive car, but it's like, when's the last time you saw X Cadillac Cimarron at Radwood? Okay. <laughs> People we run saw, over we to saw, that we, thing. I saw That's showroom funny. quality when we were in, in in Philly for Radwood. It was a showroom quality Cadillac Cimarron. We were all like, that exists. If you have something that people just don't ever see, you need to be parked in cars and coffee. And if you have a car that people would aspire to drive, you should be there too. 
Geese1RBM on Instagram says at the beginning of the month, Lotus announced its plans to sell 150,000 cars per year worldwide by 2028. That's ambitious. That they're counting on their SUV. In 2022, they sold 567. <laughs> I do not know. I'm just reading your question. I do not know the reference uh, the article, so we don't know where these numbers are. Cannot verify them, but... Okay. They want to sell a lot and they haven't sold very many is the point mm -hmm. yeah. to date. So do we think they have a chance to get anywhere near that? And if so, what do they need to do? Certainly the Electra is it's part of the business SUVs. plan. It's going to be SUV, SUV, SUV. Lotus has a bit of a track record announcing mm, they do. big plans. We're going to take over the world. Yes. And then they don't. Uh -huh. Except it does get them in the news and it gets people talking about a brand mm. that nobody mm. says. That's Car true. Yeah, yeah. Buyers, generally speaking, the general public doesn't think Lotus, and they yeah. are that Electra is going to need be need to be very good mm -hmm. to pull people out of something like a Lyric or the new Blazer mm -hmm. or anything else from Genesis or Hyundai that's electrified to say, you know what, Lotus, Lotus, you mean the British brand that made the quirky little sports cars in the shed yeah, yeah, like yeah. in the sixties? They sell an SUV now. Well, let's go look at that. Let's go look. Yeah. I think it's ambitious, but it has to be ambitious because what CEO says, you know what? I think we're just going to increase our growth by 3% this year. Yeah. That's not a huge, grandiose statement. No, nobody in Wall Street celebrated that with streamers. Yeah. Elon gives you grandiose plans. He mm. shatters windows. He mm -hmm. puts people in a robot suit. He <laughs> blows stuff Things up. Things are happening over there for Spray sure. Spray it with fire. Kill mm. it with fire. Yeah, Something. kill it with fire but for still, sure. still, he does the grand thing and everybody's going, wah! And even if you don't get there, wah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, you still get the splash. That's an interesting point. I like that. That's very good. Felix Stump on Twitter said he just recently rewatched our Miata Generations video. He thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. And he said, but it was produced before the current generation refresh. It was the ND1 Miata, not the ND2. Would the ND2 bump the fourth gen out of second place into first place for either of us? Felix, that's a great question. And I think it might. Now, I, I remember I picked the NC as my favorite, mainly because, I hate to say this, I fit. Yeah. <laughs> it's the third gen. It's the one that is kind of unloved. I actually think it drives really, really well. It shares a chassis with the excellent chassis uh, Mazda RX-8, which, of course, had its, um, I don't know how to put this, quirky engine. So you got mm. the Mazda RX-8 chassis, which made for a bigger Miata, but it's a Miata I can fit in. I also really like the, the power retractable hardtop of that generation. I really like that gen a lot. The fourth gen ND2 is a, it, I, I will say, I think it's my favorite Miata ever as far as the fact that they made it a usable, almost luxury car and actually got it lighter, smaller than the NC and it's incredible and that engine is worth it. The problem is I don't fit very well. So I think it would have been, mm -hmm. been I, maybe like, fighting for first, but I personally would struggle to put it in first because every time I'm in one, I just, I, I want two things. I need to change the sway bars immediately and I need more power. I mean, I need, I need more, I uh, need more headroom. The power is actually solved. Power. I mean, 26 more horsepower to the non-turbo engine changed the game for me and I couldn't believe it, but my knees were next to my ears. It's, At least that's what it felt we're, like. We're, we're big. We're big and we don't fit in it very well, which is too I mean, bad. I would like to say yes. So maybe we'll compromise on the seat Rail chop saw the, technique. The tall man mod. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe. I like it. Flermet on Instagram asks if we think going forward that manuals will be the more expensive transmission option. That's instead. a good thought. His point is offsetting development. Mm. He says instead of the base transmission that customers bought to save money, which I suppose they did early on, it but now it has yeah. nothing to do with saving money. 
it's now almost entirely enthusiast cars that have it as an option. Mm -hmm. And he's Mm -hmm. he's sure enthusiasts would happily pay one or $2,000 extra for that manual, which like I mentioned, offsets development costs for the option that less people will choose. I would like to think so, but I would also like to think that manufacturers offer it just because the car deserves it. Yeah, but you're gonna, but you you are offering to a niche market, big, and it's gonna continue to be niche. I mean, I was reading just some comments on YouTube just today on some of our videos where people that drove manuals until they discovered a good dual clutch and was like, I would never go back. And these are like sports car people. True. They were like, I would never ever go back. There's a contingent that has zero interest in ever returning to the manual. I would love it if it was a extra cost option and that kept good ones around. I don't know if you can make yeah. enough off of that though. I don't know if you can actually make enough off of the upcharge to make the development of it be worth it. I mean, everybody said, I just tried snowboarding and I'm never going back to skiing. True. Skiing is still around. Skiing is still around. And in fact, skiing I think at its height, uh, snowboarding was maybe 20% of the market. Yeah. And, yeah. and I tried snowboarding. You tried snowboarding. Well, I snowboarded for a it's while. totally awesome. Mm-hmm. I love skiing. I'm back on skis. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would like to think so. And if that's what it comes to, then yes, I know enthusiasts would because they are buying. As I posted on the, the Instagram here, we've reading reports from Road and Track that 47% of the 2023 model year manual transmission GR Supra, 40, 47% of people opted for the manual. That's great That's news. Great. I love that it. That means we're demanding manuals mm-hmm. and enthusiasts are buying them. That's mm-hmm. great news. And I think that if it if that's the tipping point, Flermit, mm. then people will say, you know what? I can throw in an extra grand because at least they offer it and I'm going to buy it. And maybe that makes car companies think, I could make money off them. Those Wouldn't enthusiasts. That'd be nice. Money. Wow. <laughs> Grays on Green asks, uh, how do you not obsess over every odd noise or weird feeling in your cars? He said he had, he replaced a blown motor on his FRS from the prior owner who had turboed it. Let this be a lesson unto you folks that when you tune things, they're more likely to break. I'm just going to say it. Unturbo it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, prior owner, he blew his FRS motor because the prior owner is having put a turbo on it. He has a second motor in, but he's been paranoid about everything ever since that. And that was three years ago. So you replaced your FRS motor three years ago, and now every odd noise freaks you out. Uh, Grays on green, let me walk you over here to the cabin of a Lotus Elise. (laughs) There is so much noise. There is a new noise today. I drive that car a lot. We drove it a lot. On our recent road trip film, which I can't wait to share with you, there were a couple of days I was like, that's a new noise. (laughs) All right, well, let's keep driving. I hope that that is a company thing. you, you 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 have to disconnect yourself from is something going to break? And that's very hard. But you've gone, here's the thing. If you put in three months ago, I'd be like, all right, calm down. You put it in three years ago. Three years ago. It's time to let it go. It's okay. The engine is working. Will something break in the future? Yes. Do I think your engine's going to blow again? No. So drive it. and And I would say stay on top of your maintenance. Be meticulous about your maintenance. And know that cars have stuff that wears out. And if you're doing the maintenance, you've done all you can. Also, I've noticed, have you ever had this experience? You're driving along in a car and it gets a new noise. And the next time you drive it, noise isn't there. Huh, wonder what that was. I mean, seriously, <laughs> it's like, was something flapping? Was there a crosswind? I mean, this happens. Keep driving till the noise stops. So, I guess. That's what I always say. <laughs> this does occur. So I, I, I want to encourage you to keep driving and don't stress about the noises. There will always be a weird noise in the car. Now, if the noise is accompanied by anything that is a change in feel, Look out. <laughs> the noise stopped. 
that's because your bumper fell off. <laughs> it's not dragging on the ground anymore. <laughs> on the other hand, the noise stopped. Pat Moreau on Instagram says, is there a market for more of the OEM rally cars, the from the factory mm. type of rally cars? There's the WRX and GR Corolla, but the Evo is long gone and the Golf R is so expensive. There are a few new options aimed at or willing to risk the kind of people dr- willing to drive spiritedly through broken pavement, glass, gravel, <laughs> I'd like to drive through broken glass. What do you have for me? Uh Sir, right this way. Uh, On tight mountain roads or forest routes full of switchbacks and washouts, it doesn't just have to be the Storado and the 911 Dakar. Mm. I say yes, because off-roading being the last great frontier and everybody seems to want some sort of off-road thing. Manufacturers love to claim more ground clearance. This can do more off-roading. You can mm-hmm. change your lifestyle when you buy one of our cars. And you're like, it's a minivan. You're like, it's a minivan with wheel arches. <laughs> I, you gave me a, a heavy-duty roof rack and, right. and, and another inch of clearance. You put cladding it's on a minivan. a minivan. Why did you? So I think it's kind of interesting because Volvo's done it and Audi's done it. And even Volkswagen with their Alltrack. Kind of interesting. Yeah, fair. And I think that it would lend itself to more people going, hmm. Seems like an enthusiast kind of thing. Maybe it'd be good for winters where I live and yet still kind of fun. And I could do a gravel road and it'd open up some options for me and I could take it camping and it'd still be a fun sports car. I mean, that's the sweet spot of the Dakar. Mm -hmm. How about Dakar everything at a low price? (laughs) That's wrong. Uh, That 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 kind of thinking at a $40,000 price point or 45 grand. What about the Elantra N that's sort of like an inch higher? The 86 off-road. The 86 would be great. GR86 off-road. Ah, that's pretty good. Hey, Toyota, can you help us here? Can we get one of those? Mm. Yeah, we have some Toyota news coming up. I won't ruin it yet, but it's coming soon. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. We've got, uh, I'm going to go with Guy's question on Facebook. He's asking directly at the Supra. Does it still have an issue over 45 miles an hour with the, with the windows open where there's the fluttering, he calls it cavitation, it's, it's, the, it's the buffeting noises that many, 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 have I said many yet, people that watch Supra videos complain about? Because since this latest Supra came out, it has a lot of buffeting noises at highway speeds with the windows down. Now there are people that have sold little like wings you can put on the mirrors because they're caused by the mirrors. This is what's causing all of that weird airflow by the side of any car you can think of is the mirrors. So the people that have created little things that that direct the, the air differently and it doesn't happen as much. Guy, here's the thing about it. I know it still has it. I never think of it. I never ever think of it. And here's why. I have owned multiple sports cars and they all had that issue. Mm, Every mm, single one of them mm. had some sort of weird buffeting. The 300ZX was terrible. I drove that with the roof off and the windows down all the time. The Lotus is like a hurricane of air at all times if you take the top off or roll the windows down. I just consider that the reality of sports cars. Like climbing into a hairdryer. Seriously, and I have hair. That gets, Great. I, I'm going to have to like cut <laughs> knots out later. Anyway, so it never. I never think of it as an issue. Yeah, and as a result, yeah. I realize I, I have two settings. Like windows down, I'm ready for wind, or windows up. There must be a lot of people that just drive in their sports car with the windows down all the time. I'm not that guy. I'm used to cars having buffeting when the window's down and prepared for it. Yes, it still does it. I'm sorry, it's an issue. On Facebook, Mike L. asks about my mini rant about architects. Mm. Got him thinking. Now that Saab is defunct, what do architects drive? (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) 
Aaron Rad Repartee jumps in here. He says, we architects like windows. I like that. Mm. I think I have your car. Okay. And I actually got into a conversation this week with Eric M., who also wrote to me. Eric is also an architect. And we were, I, I kind of steered the conversation to airports <laughs> because I hate the San Jose airport so much. It's okay. so terrible. Walk, okay. Getting off your plane and walking to baggage claim. It's such a long walk. Adding people movers is not the solution, and Salt Lake Airport is terrible because the Grand Hall sits higher than the terminal. Why would you do that? <laughs> it seems like you don't like the people. <laughs> it's the people that need to get to their gate. I, I wish all of you listening could be with Paul some random time when he encounters a building or somewhere we have to walk, and Why? the overwhelming thought that strikes him is, what's going on here? What was the architect thinking? Whisk and me from entrance to my destination within your giant building. And the problem is you are starting to get letters now. It's starting to happen. It is. <laughs> Very nice letters. Thank you to all the architects, but you're starting to get letters. Okay, Windows and architectural speaking, it is the Hyundai Ionic 5. What do you think? Oh. Tall profile. Mm. I think from an architectural standpoint, it's got great style. It looks like none of the other Hyundais. Okay. I think it's a fantastic car to walk around and study subtlety. Huh. It does have a good okay. proportion, but then subtlety around the car, and you think the surfaces are clean, but yet it's got a very striking, bold theme. And those windows are pretty tall. It's minimalist, lots of glass. I think Ionic 5 for architects. I think that's an excellent answer. And I like I really this. Like that. I really like I think it's gorgeous, I really like that. but different, and it stands out. It is like your mm, oeuvre, mm. your ode for your, for your entire career. You've done duplexes your whole life, <laughs> or... Something mundane, your whole life. Okay, right. And you get to do the Guggenheim. Wow. And right. this is your Guggenheim. Okay, I, I like that. That might much. be a little bit too grandiose. That's, that may be a little little big for the Ionic 5 to but fill, still, but I still think it's, it's excellent. Yeah, it's good. Okay. That's, that's my suggestion. Danny Boy 71 has had a terrifying experience that I want to speak to. He just drove his friend's 2016 Toyota 4Runner, and every time he presses on the brake, he gets terrible steering wheel shake to the point where it's shaking the entire car. Suddenly, you and I are being click and clack, and we're diagnosing. He said, to which his friend replied, his friend who owns this truck says, ah, it doesn't bother me. And to which, when he recently took it to his mechanic, his mechanic said, your brake pads are fine. Your friend that owns the 4Runner has been told by his mechanic that he doesn't need to replace his brakes yet. You're driving it going, what is going on? And your friend's going, oh, I'm fine with it. The problem here is warped rotors. Clearly. You're put, <laughs> that is absolutely what's going on. When the pads are pressing onto the rotor, the rotor is not perfectly flat. The rotor has a wave to it. And as a result... It's like a Pringles. <laughs> it is. <it's, laughs> yes, exactly. You have Pringle rotors on this car. That's a fantastic description. I love that. It's not a circle. It's Pringle. And so as a result, that caliper is doing everything it can to try to stay flat, but the world beneath it is a Pringle. So it is shaking the whole car and the steering wheel in response. That is what you are fighting against. And so that is a problem. And I don't care if your brakes don't, quote unquote, need to be replaced yet because the pads have plenty of wear. Those rotors are done. Now, yeah. when I grew up, we did some questionable things. There was lots of questionable things going on with cars. And one of the borderline ones we didn't ever drive performance cars, is we would get our rotors turned. Hard to find anybody that'll turn a rotor anymore, but that was literally putting a rotor on a machine that was taking off the Pringles, essentially. You're, you're blading the You're, you're, you're carving thing, it yeah. down so it becomes yeah. flat again. That is the less expensive way to fix it. The better way to do it is get a power stop brake kit and start again. Absolutely. Along these lines, I actually drove my wife's old Cayenne once, and I took it in for service for something else, and I said, please uh, check the rotors because I think they're they're warped and I want to get some, some new uh, brake rotors on there. And when I went to the tech later, he was like, 
because again, we drive a lot of stuff and a lot of people don't. He said, and he knew me a little bit and he was like, you are the only person I can think of who would have driven that vehicle and told me the rotors are warped. He said, nobody else would have noticed. And I was like, well, I don't drive it all the time. I got it. It was like, honey, what's going on here? Warped rotors, please have your friend fix the warped rotors on their forerunner. That is not a good thing. It affects braking distance more than it even affects the fact that you're shaking the car to death. Don't do that. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us with all your questions, your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, your car debates. Love hearing from you guys. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.